Welcome from downtown Wentzville, Missouri, to the Crossing Church streaming live. If you happen to be visiting with us today, we want you to know we are really glad that you're here. And whether that would be a, a member of our community, uh, maybe you're watching from a, from, a, from a place that's further away than that, or maybe you're one of the members of one of our church plants uh, from Collinsville or the Inner Belt. I want you to know that I am really, really glad that you get to tune in today. I wish it were under different circumstances, but I I believe God has some good things planned for us. I want to remind you that uh, online today on our site, you can also get a copy of the notes. We tried to put that on our site in advance, but if you'd like to be able to have notes to follow along, they are available in a PDF, and you can print those or you could put them on your tablet. There will also be a communication card if there is something that I say today that maybe speaks to your heart and you feel like there's a need, that you have a need to, to, uh, to ask for help or to somehow ask for prayer, then you'll be able to do that. There will also be discussion questions because after the sermon is finished, you're invited to be, participate in any one of a number of small groups that will be done on the internet uh, and you can uh, receive an invite to those um, and so there'll be discussion questions if you, if you don't have them already that maybe you can look at and uh, be a little bit more aware of what's going on. Uh, this is a new thing for us. We always stream our service, but we do our groups uh, in person every week with no streaming. So hopefully things will go well and God will be blessed. It's my prayer that we can all relax and just see what, uh, what can happen. Beginning a new series today called Surviving the Storms of Life. And it's probably one of those obvious sermon series to where you don't have to ask, why in the world would you talk about surviving the storms of life? Because right now, all of us, whether we want to be or whether we planned on being, all of us are engulfed in a storm. And the truth is, we can survive this storm and come out on the other side of the storm better, but how we behave and how we think during the storm will have a lot to do with how things end up after the storm. So today and over the next two or three weeks, we're going to be looking at storm stories in the Scriptures, stories of where somebody encountered a difficult period of time. In some of those cases, it will be a physical storm that they encountered. In others, it may be a little bit different. But in all of them, we're looking at those stories to see how do I respond in a way that allows God to bless my life and to come through the storm on the other side better than I was than when I entered it. So today we're talking about storm stories and surviving the storms of life. And I'm going to give you four steps that you can take, four things that you can do, that if you'll do these four things during the current crisis, you'll come through it, and you'll come through it better than you would have without doing these things. So let's just jump into the the lesson today. And it's a personal lesson for me and for you. And if I, if you want to have a great after-the-storm survival story, and I can remember as a kid, you know, whenever we'd go through something that was really tough or scary, we'd all get together as kids and we would tell the stories and we would exaggerate what happened. But it was a cool thing to be able to tell that story. Hopefully that'll happen in this case for you also. Years from now, we'll talk about the storm that we went through and how we were all made better. But if I want to come through and have a great after-the-storm survival story, I must, first of all, recognize that storms are inevitable. You see, for many of us, we think that having a great life is contingent upon having a storm-free life. The only problem with that is it eliminates the possibility of our having a great life because storms are always a part of the human experience. 
James' brother, Jesus' brother James, in James chapter 1, verse 2, is writing to a group of people, and he says, Consider it my joy, or consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Now, James doesn't write and say, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, if you encounter various trials. Because he knows it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So he says, consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials. And the word that's used in the original language for various various is the same word that, that would describe a painter's palette with all the different colors and all the different shades and hues. They're not the same. They're all different. There's similarities in some and dissimilarities in others. And so James, the brother of Jesus, saying, you're going to face storms. You're going to face trials, and they're not always going to be alike. You see, right now, you and I are forced into a public storm that was the the impetus for this sermon series. That whenever I speak to you, no matter if you are in Wentzville or if you are in Collinsville or if you are in another country, you understand what I'm talking about because you have been thrust into a very public storm. And depending on where you live, the degree of that storm and the severity of that storm may be worse or it may be lessened, but you're in the middle of this storm. But the truth is, for many that are watching today, the storm that you fear is not the storm that is public, but it's the storm that's much more private. It's a storm surrounding your marriage, or it's a storm that's threatening your relationship with your kids. Or it's a storm that you're not sure you're going to survive that may end in your death and you don't know what you or the loved ones are going to do. And what I want you to understand is that as Jesus looks down on this planet, he is not surprised. He is not out of control. The Father wants us to know that he knows that storms are an inevitable part of life and because of that, we need to make sure that we're listening and that we're close to him. The story that we're looking at today is found in Matthew chapter 14. And the Bible tells this as Jesus records about, uh, tells the story of a storm that his followers are going to encounter. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, Matthew records the words and says, immediately after this. Now, before I go any further, I need to let you have the context. The after this, the this part of that is after Jesus had fed the 5,000 men and women that had followed him to listen to him preach, that followed him into the wilderness. And it was late, and the apostles wanted to send them home because they knew that the, the crowd was hungry and that there was, there, there was no way that you could take care of this many people in feeding them. Rather than doing, doing that, Jesus had them sit down and had the apostles go look and see what food was available. The apostles found a young boy who had five loaves of bread and two small pieces of fish. Out of those five loaves and two fish, pieces of fish, Jesus miraculously somehow multiplied them to where they had plenty of bread and fish so that every person that was there was full and satisfied. And the Bible says that there were 12 basketfuls of leftovers after Jesus had performed his miracle. So the apostles had been part of a great sort of 
a country meeting where Jesus had spoke and then Jesus performed a a miraculous deed and they were amazed and they were full and they were content. And then Jesus said to them, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, verse 23, the Bible says, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had arisen, and they were fighting the heavy waves. Now, I want you to know, as you look at this story, you get the reality that strong, that storms can appear literally out of the blue. They can, they can appear when at one moment it's beautiful and it's thrilling and it's fulfilling and then only hours later it's scary and it's threatening and it's worrisome. But Jesus is in the middle of all of this and he's watching all of this. And it begs us to, to talk about another point, that storms can arise even when you're close to Jesus and even when you're doing what Jesus said. That storms are a part of the existence of the human life, whether we're believers in Jesus or whether we are non-believers in Jesus. Storms happen in the lives of those that are extremely close to Jesus and from those that are distant from Jesus. But one of the things that Jesus taught us is that we need to be aware and we need to anticipate those storms because realizing and recognizing that storms are inevitable allow us to prepare for those storms. So if I want to come through this storm, I need to realize that in some way, this is just a normal part of my life, and the words of Jesus were designed to help me come through it. Secondly, if I want to come through this storm and have this really cool survival story, I need to realize that fear can make me act irrational. It can make me think irrationally. It can make me irrational. And I know that probably you've had some experience with that to where there have been times whenever, whenever I have been scared and in my, in my terror, I've done something that's harmful. I remember years ago, whenever I was first in ministry, the little church that I was in in Southern Illinois had inherited a house that they had to fix up to sell. And I was just about 20 years old at the time, and it was around Halloween. I said, hey, could, would you mind if we just, you know, nobody's living there. Could we just do a, like a little haunted house for our youth group and for this little town I was living in? And they were, they, were, they were cool with it, which looking back, I'm a little surprised by that. But they were cool with it. And as I look back, some of the most, some of the, 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 the fondest, funniest memories I have are about how irrational teenagers can be when they are confronted and they are afraid. I mean, there were times whenever you had these these young men and women that were holding on to people that they didn't realize at the moment were dressed up in costumes that were designed to scare them. There were times when they ran into walls where there was no door. And we all laughed about it later, and we all knew it was a common experience because when you are fearful, you're often irrational. In Matthew chapter 14, the Bible records these words in the message paraphrase. The Bible says about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus had now finished praying and he's, you know, he sees what's going on. About four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. 
They were scared out of their wits. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. Now again, I want to point out to you that these, at least some among this group, are veteran fishermen who are familiar with this lake. These are not wimpy men. These are not fearful men naturally. But in this particular situation, something that was so out of the ordinary scared them that it led them to being completely irrational. When they saw a figure walking toward them that we know it was Jesus, they didn't think about that option, but instead they somehow de-evolved into thinking about it being a ghost. Grown men scared out of their wits because there is a ghost that's approaching their boat. It's as if they had lost their minds, but that's what fear can do to you and I. And you really don't have to see, I don't have to to make that point too strongly other than to say, look at what happened in our stores in the last week. Empty shelves, and there have been shelves that were full of bread that are empty, more bread than a family can consume, and places where the toilet paper is stored is now a shelf, more toilet paper that can be used by a large family that ate way too much food. It's irrational, but that's what happens if we're not careful when we undergo storms. And our government has been warning us this week, make sure you don't hoard. Make sure you you don't allow fear to make you do things that will harm other people around you. In 2 Timothy 1.7, there's a passage of the scripture that is addressed to a young church planter. And in this particular situation, Paul, the man that trained him, is writing to his young protege, Timothy. And Paul knows that Timothy has a bend towards being fearful. And because of that, he's worried that he will respond in a way that's not beneficial. He also knows that new churches and being a young man in a church can be a scary uh, scary position. So in 2 Timothy 1.7, he says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, I want you to know what he is doing is contrasting things. And he's saying, but, but, but on the bookends of this, he says that God has not given us of a spirit of fear. What's the opposite of a spirit of fear? He says it's the spirit. He's given us a sound mind. Now, when you read modern translations of, of 2 Timothy 1.7, it says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and self-discipline. And so the imagery is that whenever if I'm consumed by fear, if I'm not embracing what God has given me, I will respond in a way that is out of control, that lacks discipline, that's irrational. And you see, there are things in our current crisis that are going on that are scary, but it's important that we respond rationally. The the public storm that we're going through calls for men and women of sound mind. And I want you to know that the private storm that you're going through also causes, calls you to have a strong mind. If you're having difficulty in your marriage, it's important for you not to get irrational and to think that there's no hope or to respond in anger, but it calls for you to respond with self-control. So you need to realize that you're going to face storms in life. 
You need to realize that so you can prepare for them. The first thing that you do to prepare for them is realize that in a storm, you can tend to act irrationally and make a choice to respond differently, to respond rationally. Number three, if I'm going to have an incredible storm survival story when my life, when the storm is passed, I must rely on Jesus. I must rely on Jesus during the storm. Now that sounds pretty cliche, I'm sure. I, I've always found it humorous, and I've listened to people as, as they've tried to comfort someone who is going through a difficulty, and heard them say, say things like, you just need to give it over to God. And I've always wanted to ask the question, what exactly does that mean? Well, it, it sounds kind of, kind of oh, that, that sounds kind of godly, but it also sounds a little bit trite and a little bit maybe even condescending. So when I tell you, you just need to rely on God, it is okay for you to ask the question, well, what do you mean? What does that look like? How do I do that? And let me give you a couple of suggestions of how you can rely on God and what it might look like, how you can rely on Jesus. You rely on Jesus by remembering what Jesus said. You see, there was a time when Jesus had told his apostles that I'm telling you these things so that your heart can be at rest. We're going to reference that a little bit later on. But the words of Jesus were designed to put his followers at rest when they were going through difficult times. And the more that we listen to them, the better we will be able to respond with peace and a sense of serenity in the storms that we're facing. So if you notice in our story something you might have missed in in Matthew chapter 14... Jesus, after he had sent them away, the Bible says immediately after this, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus insisted the disciples get into the boat and cross over to the other side of the lake. Now, here's the thing. They did not listen to what Jesus said. Because as they go out into the boat, Jesus did not insist that they get in the boat and go to the center of the lake and be overcome by a storm. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus did not insist that they get in the boat and then encounter and be overcome by some kind of demonic ghost that was coming there to destroy them. That's not what Jesus said. It's in opposition to what Jesus said. What Jesus said to them is, I want you to get into the boat and go to the other side. Now, can you imagine how things might have turned out differently if they would have remembered what Jesus said and allowed his words to create in them an authentic faith? Because you see, when you go through difficulties, if you're certain you're going to come out on the other side, what might be terrifying ends up being simply thrilling. And we all understand that. At least all of us have rode on roller coasters. You see, we go up to the roller coaster, whether it would be one at Six Flags or one that would be in a, in a, in a, in a park somewhere else. You go up and you get on the roller coaster, and as you hear all the screams, and as you watch all the dips, and you understand all the things that are going on and that are at play, it seems a little bit scary. But as you go up, you watch people get off, you get on, and you look at, at the restraints. And you, they come by and they pull them down and they buckle you in and you pull on them a little bit to make sure they're secure. And then they'll say something like, 
if any of you have sunglasses or anything else that is not attached, please give them to the attendant now and you can get them back at this location upon your return. And so we hand our sunglasses or our billfolds or our flip-flops or whatever it might be, and we again, then we, in, we, we, we begin to go on a journey that in some ways seems terrifying, but honestly it's more thrilling than terrifying because we know that we're going to get back where we started. And so what, is, what would normally terrify us to the point of not being able to enjoy at all is relegated to a fun ride that we want to repeat again and again. Jesus told his disciples, get in the boat and you're going to go to the other side. And if Jesus says you're going to the other side, you're going to go to the other side. If Jesus promised you, I'll be with you, And we'll get through this. You need to know that there may be scary moments and there may be things that you don't understand, but you need to know what Jesus said. I'm with you and we're going to get to the other side. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, the apostle Paul wrote these words and he said that faith comes from hearing and hearing I'm sorry, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the words of Christ. You see, in Scripture, faith and fear are opposites. Faith is the cure for fear. The opposite of fear is not courage in Scripture. The opposite of fear is faith. And so when he says faith comes by hearing, as I go through these storms, I need to make sure that I'm hearing, that I'm putting myself around the words of Jesus, that I'm listening to them and I'm remembering them because when I remember those words and I trust him, it turns the storm into something far less terrifying than it was without those reassurances. So I rely on Jesus by remembering what he said, by recalling what he said, by repeating to myself the promises of God. I claim that promise, but also I rely on Jesus by remembering what he has done. You see, I rely on Jesus in faith by remembering what Jesus said and by remembering what Jesus has done. Now, when you hear that, you may question, well, what do you mean in my life? One of the calming realities about any storm that I am in now is that I have faced storms in the past and Jesus has always brought me through those storms. There are times whenever I didn't see a solution. There wasn't a time when I didn't have the answers. There were times whenever if it were up to me, things would have fallen apart, but it didn't because of the working of Jesus in my life and he brought me through the storms. But I want you to note in our story, there's even a more specific application, not to just what Jesus has done in our lives, but what Jesus has done in history. Notice the scripture out of Mark chapter 6, verses 51 and 52 on your notes and on the screen. Mark is recording from a little bit different angle the same events that Matthew is recording in Matthew chapter 14. Both of them tell the same story from a little different angle, so there's a little bit difference in the details. In Mark's account in Mark chapter 6, 
The Bible says, and he, that's Jesus, climbed aboard the boat with him and the wind dropped. But they were scared out of their wits. They had not had the sense to learn the lesson of the loaves. Even the miracle, even that miracle had not opened their eyes to see who he was. You see, storms have a way of making us respond irrationally to where we forget what Jesus said, but he will also forget what he has done in our lives and what he has done historically. You see, these 12 men just hours before had sat on a beach in a beautiful setting, listening to the words of their great teacher and enjoying food that had been miraculously provided for them, and yet they forgot. You see, the good things that God does in our lives, the pleasant things that he's done to change us are there to remind us that he's in control. And what Jesus had hoped that the 12 would do as the storm approached was say to themselves, it looks like it's out of control. I don't know how we're going to handle this, but our master has the ability to do things that we could never do. Remember how he miraculously multiplied five loaves and two small fishes into literally enough to feed 5,000 people. But they forgot what he did, and so they struggled with fear, just like you and I will. And when Jesus had told them earlier in this life, you're going to face hardships, you're going to face struggles, you're going to face difficulties, he was telling them that to remind them that even in the darkest moments, victory was assured if they would stay close to Jesus. You see, Jesus, not long after he assured them he had overcome the world, would face a storm of his own. Men, one of his own men, would turn them over to other men who would crucify him. And it looked as if this storm had taken Jesus out of this life and out of the lives of these men that he had reassured, leaving them absolutely with no assurance, and they all flee, but he resurrected And sometimes as we go through storms, we begin to ask, can I handle this? Do I have the means somehow to overcome this? And what we ought to be asking is, did Jesus say anything about him getting us through this? And does Jesus have the ability to get me through this? Has he ever done anything that's as epic as getting me through whatever storm I'm surviving? The answer is yes. The resurrection of Jesus shouts, yes, I've been through tougher things than this. The calming of the sea shouts, yes, I can handle what's going on now because I've handled greater than things than this in the past. This was not Jesus' first rodeo. And he always came out a winner. Let me give you a little equation to, 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 to help you in, in, in this time of storm or in any times of storm Uh, of the storms that you will face. Remembering what Jesus said plus remembering what Jesus did equals faith. That when I remember what he said and then I remember what he's done in the past, the incredible things that he has done, it allows me to have faith. And faith 
equals confident obedience. So now I'm confident in Jesus, so rather than acting irrationally in doing what I think might be beneficial, I confidently trust him and do what he says, believing that whatever he says, I can trust above whatever I'm feeling or whatever I'm thinking. I obey him because I trust his directions are better at getting me through this storm than my directions. And for many of you that are facing personal storms, and I've been there, I've lived there, so many of my storms were were brought about by my own decisions and choosing to trust me and not Christ. And when the storms were crashing in, I would so often try to escape them based upon what I thought. And it was so hard for me just to say, no, I don't know, but he does. But after years of listening to him and watching him act, I can assure you that the best thing that you can do in any storm is trust and obey Jesus. Rely on Jesus in faith. In John chapter 2, after Jesus had done his first miracle, we get some insight into why Jesus did it. This was the first of all the miraculous signs that Jesus did. He did it in the hometown of Galilee, of Cana in Galilee. By this he showed his divine greatness, and his followers believed in him. The loaves and the fishes were designed, the the multiplication of loaves and fish were designed to show his divine greatness so they didn't have to panic when they faced a storm. He is great and he is divine so you and I can relax and follow his lead. And then finally, if I want to have an incredible storm survival story, I must remember the value of storms. When it comes to the storms of life, you and I tend to despise them. But the older we get as human beings, even though we may despise them, the older we get, the harder it is to deny that the storms have value. In Matthew chapter 8, Matthew tells of another storm that we'll be examining in a couple of weeks. In this storm, Jesus does not come walking on the water to greet them, but instead he is in the belly of the boat sleeping when an incredible storm arises. The apostles once again are freaking out, and Jesus comes up out of the storm. And this storm is one that happens not long after these men had begun following Jesus. They don't know him as well as they would, as they will. Jesus is summoned abruptly to come up and see what's going on as if he wasn't aware of the storms that they or you or I are facing. And the Bible says that Jesus came up, here are the words, the men, that he, that he comes up and he rebukes the storm. And I remember as a kid hearing preachers say he rebuked the storm and he said, peace be still. And I ever remember hearing storms or hearing songs, religious hymns about the winds and the wave, obey his will, peace be still. And it seems so poetic, poetic. But the truth is Jesus comes up and it seems like he's a little frustrated as follows for waking him up in this storm because he knows everything's going to be fine because he is in charge of this whole thing. But he gets up and basically what he says is he goes, hey, you guys cut it out, stop it. 
and the storms respond to him. And they cut it out, and it stops. That's where Matthew words, Matthew's words in Matthew eight twenty seven come in. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey his voice. You see, this storm has them questioning who Jesus is. And can I let you know, it's a good thing for them to question who he is, to try to figure that out. But I want you to notice in the second storm, the development of these men because of the storm. In Mark chapter 6, retelling the same story that we're looking at that Matthew tells in Matthew chapter 12, the Bible says when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Then, then those in the boat worshipped him saying, truly you are the son of God. The first storm left them questioning. The second storm left them worshiping. The first storm left them questioning without an obvious answer. The second storm left them answering the question, who is this man? And it is, he is the son of God. You see, what I need to recognize is the storms of life are designed to direct, to correct, or perfect me. And we'll talk more about that in weeks to come. But God has built in to you and I the capacity to join, to, 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 to gain a benefit from a storm that we would have never gained if it had not been for the storm. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church, a, P, a church, and he tells them of a story of a storm that he and some of his companions are going through. He tells them in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, we felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get us out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea, since he's the God who raises the dead. He said, you know, we felt so hopeless, man. We thought it was over and man, it was just miserable. But it turns out that that misery and our inability to do anything about the situation was the best thing that could have happened because it made us stop trusting us. And it made us stop trusting him. It made us stop trusting ourselves and it, started, it made us start trusting the God who raises the dead. And you see, that matters. Because what Paul is saying is, there are things that every human being are going to encounter in this life that they will not be able to encounter successfully without God. But he is also reminding you and I that there will be ultimately for every human being a time where we will face something, and that is death, that without Jesus, we have no hope of coming through successfully. So Paul is saying, we started trusting God. And the cool thing about trusting God is when you trust God, you get what he can provide. When you trust you, 
You get what you can provide. And God says, you get to choose. You see, this morning, it may be that you're going through a personal storm. That you've tried everything that you can come in with all your strength. You have tried to make it through it. And with all your wits, you have tried to find an answer. And nothing is there. And they're exactly where the Apostle Paul says he found himself on the edge of incredible victory. But the victory didn't come through his strength and through his wit. But his victory came through a surrender to Jesus Christ. The giving up of the idea that I can handle this myself because I can't. But I do know someone who loves me and can handle it for me. And that's what Paul did. I mentioned this morning that there was an online communication card. And if you're on a computer, hopefully there's a link that's close to you there. And we wanted to have this online communication card because every week we have a card that's similar to this in person to where you can write down. But we believe that God, through the words that are delivered on our Sunday morning sermons, are designed to create faith in people. And faith always causes people to act. And I don't know where you are in your faith journey. But I'm going to bow and I'm going to say a prayer. And if you don't have that card downloaded right now, maybe you got your notes and you could maybe write something. But if you'll take that online card, there will be an ability for you to check a box or write something. You could send it back to us. And somebody from, the, from, from our congregation will get in contact with you to help you. And you see, sometimes the way that God gets us through the storm is by giving us someone, another person to direct us. So if you would, would you bow your head with me? as we end up today's service in prayer. Father, right now I know that we're in a storm in our country. And I know, Father, there are people that are afraid. Some are terrified and some less so. But, Father, the truth is, whether we view this as a great storm that is threatening to everything, that, that the whole system, or we view it as a minor storm that will just blow over, the ability to survive that storm and thrive on the other side of that storm comes from you. And it comes from trusting you. So maybe there are people here that have never, ever trusted you, that they've never established a relationship with you. And maybe they don't even know how that, to do that or what that looks at. Well, the passage we read in the Bible, in Romans, it says faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard when someone shares it gives us insight into how we come to faith. Father, you don't expect us to trust you as a stranger, so you give us your word and you give us your people in order to get to know you. And so, Father, on that card this morning, that digital card, there's a place that says, I'd like a one-on-one Bible study. And, Father, if there are people here not sure where they are in relationship with you or don't even know your son, they don't understand who you are, God, I pray that they'll just check, I'd like a, a personal... Bible study. I'd like to get to know God. I'd like to get to know Jesus. And Father, the person leading that will be someone that's in their area with a small group or the friend that invited them. And Father, they've been through that and they're not, they're not perfect, but they will be able to share with that person what it means to trust Jesus and why he's worth trusting. For others, maybe this morning, there's, I know in my life, some of the times of brokenness led me to surrendering to you in Scripture when we're ready to become your children. The Bible says that we are to turn our hearts to you and be baptized. 
And baptism is not simply a dunking in water. It's the death of ourselves. It's an act of faith where we affirm and proclaim that we no longer trust ourselves to to run our lives, but we trust you. It's a surrender that's not to be taken lightly because it's a surrender of faith. And so, Father, maybe there are people here today that have tried, maybe in, in their storms of life, they're, they're frustrated because they've done everything that they could to try to make things right, and they can't, but yet they've never trusted you to run their lives. They've always wanted to be in control, and if you were going to be in their plane, you would be a co-pilot or somebody in first class, but they would never, you would, they would never be your first choice. You would never be their first choice to run their lives. And they just want to say, I'm done and I want to trust Jesus. I want the assurance that I'm going to make it to the other side. And if they're in that position, God, I pray that check, I'd like to be baptized. And again, someone will contact with them, share with them what the scriptures say about baptism. But it's an incredible opportunity to surrender to Jesus for him to save us and to control us to become our Lord. God, I thank you that the greatest moment in my life, the life The decision that led to every blessing that I have was the decision to start trusting you and stop trusting me. Father, if there's somebody at that point to where they're ready to do that, Father, I pray they'll check I'd like to be baptized. Father, maybe there are others here that have encountered storms that they don't know how to recoup from. And they think that there's no way out because their storm is unique, but yet the Bible teaches us that storms are common to man. And whether it would be a storm of sexual abuse or a storm of making stupid decisions that left us grieving over the choice we made to end the life of of an, an infant within us or the choice we made that led to making a drug our Lord that would destroy us. We have people at the crossings who have been there and done that and found you. And now rather than destroying themselves and others, they're bringing blessing in the lives of others. So, Father, if there are people who have been destroyed by their decisions in marriage and they've went through divorces, whether they've been abandoned because of the foolish decision or somebody else of somebody else, or whether they're just struggling with what to do after and they're they're irrational in their fear. God, we have people that can help them and they can write down or they can check one of the boxes that are there. Father, I really don't know exactly what people should check this morning, but you're you do. And Father, I would pray that your Holy Spirit would guide people to have enough faith in you, Father, not to have all their fears allayed this morning, but maybe to just have enough fear allayed that they can respond to you. And knowing if they respond to you, that, Father, you will rush to them. So, Father, as we go through this crisis, Father, help us to realize that Christ is the solution for every crisis, whether it be public or private. And Father, for those of us who are his followers, help us to lean on that assurance and in the middle of the storm to be able to marvel at the beauty of the lightning and the thunder. And for those who are not, Father, help them to know that it's a simple choice that they can make to embrace you, to become your child, to become your follower, to become the one who trusts in you and not of themselves. Father, again, thank you for today. Thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we go, I want to encourage all of you to uh, to get involved in a small group discussion over the next 
week or two or three weeks. As long as this is going virtual, we'll be providing those groups. And that information can be found, I believe, on our Facebook page and on our website. Hopefully, there's some information right below you. You can check on and you can join a group right now. It'll be a virtual group that you can see the, see the others that are in it. You can ask questions. You can answer questions. Or you can simply remain, remain anonymous. But let me encourage you to take that step to connect with others. Because God designed us to weather the storms together. Again, thanks for being here today.